This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good for the win. Without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network NBA podcast, World Explodes Edition, Wednesday night after the conclusion of Jazz Clippers Game 5. Today's episode, by the way, brought to you by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Joining me as always, Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer. Brandon, buddy, it's victory lap time. I'm stupid. You're smart. I was wrong. You were right. You're the best. I'm the worst. Uh, you're very good looking. I'm not attractive. All right. As long as you're willing to admit that. I need you to <laughs> yeah. tell the listeners what you did on Wednesday. Folks, I did something extremely responsible and definitely reliable. The news world blew up this morning. We'll get back to all of that shortly, I'm sure. Everyone is hurt. Everyone's getting fired. Our pets' heads are falling off. So, Matt Moore, you always say, bet the narrative. The NBA has been drunk for like 30 hours and counting. I bet the narrative. I decided it was time to play the underdog. And not just one. Let's play them both. Money line parlay. Atlanta Hawks had it all the way, by the way. Los Angeles Clippers trusted it as well. Plus 11.24. Nice little 11 to 1 parlay to, uh, to add to the props along the way. So, yeah, you know, it's been a quiet NBA day pretty much. Absolutely wild. I cannot believe you absolutely that you gunned out. On yeah, you're Hawks. crazy for that. That's crazy. That is absolutely yeah. crazy. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about here. Um, we're going to focus on this podcast mostly on the actual questions regarding the games tonight. We're going to focus on the games and the games going to tomorrow uh, and the series going forward and titles and futures. Let's start with tomorrow's game and then we'll come back to today's insanity. Okay. Um, Tomorrow's Bucks Nets game six. Nets can close it out. Obviously, the Bucks had a big lead and they lost it, and everyone was just like, everyone has just crushed them for 24 hours, just absolutely beaten them to a pulp. And yet, and yet, gentlemen, <laughs> somehow in this game, the Milwaukee Bucks are five and a half point favorites in game six, total 219 and a half. Raheem, let's start with you. What's the, your, do you have a bet on this game going in? Are you going to bet tomorrow? What's the angle going into Bucks Nets game six? For me, I mean, if I had any balls, um, or rather, if I could trust Giannis, I wouldn't play tomorrow's game. I would take the Bucks to win the series. Because it's just like you can get plus one, 198, and then they're going to a game seven where anything can happen. James Harden can't move. Kevin Durant has played all 48 minutes. It just feels like this is a series in which the Bucks should win. Like, it kind of reminds me of the 2015 playoff series between the Los Angeles Clippers and the San Antonio Spurs. In which, you know, I don't know if anybody remember, Chris Paul hit the game winner to 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 um eliminate the Spurs in seven. But the Clippers actually went down in that series. 
And I know at that time, I actually took the Clippers to w- come back and win the series. But I, I just think that there's no way the Nets win tomorrow with KD coming off playing all those minutes. I just think the better play is to, is to take the Bucks to win the series. All right. So a counterpoint, it's the Bucks. That's that's my <laughs> counterpoint. That's, that, that's, that's why I said if I had any balls. Right. So here, okay, here's what's crazy. So it's, again, it's Wednesday night. We got a lot of time for the game, so a lot of bets are going to come in. But I will tell you this. On the Action Network right now, on our app, you can, which you should jet, download right now. You can track your bets, get all the information, all of our analysis, everything. 65% of the bets are coming in on the Nets. 91% of the money is coming in on the Nets. Wow. However, mm-hmm. however, in our signal section, which tracks specific bets that have come in, we've got sharp money coming in on Milwaukee. So 91% of the money is in on the Nets, but that remaining 9% we've tracked is like an, a sharp indicator coming in on the Bucks. Here's the thing. This line, like, how is this not moved, right? Like, how, how, how is this not gone? How is this not down to three? How is this not down to four? Maybe it gets there tomorrow. But, like, this opened three and a half. I watched it. I watched this, this bet open. It was three and a half at multiple books. It's five and a half now. All the money's on the nets. The books are like, that's fine. Take it. That's fine. Grab the nets. Like the books are staring us in the face right now and going, I dare you <coughs> take Brooklyn here. I dare you do it. We're fine. We're laying five and a half with a team that just gave up a 20 whatever point lead that everyone is clowning, that has the coach that can't do anything right, that has Giannis who can't hit free throws, all of these things. Brandon, the books are telling you, yeah, we'll give it to you. Yeah, here, free money. Take it. Take take the nets here. Yeah, I have to write the preview for this game tomorrow. I have zero words on my page right now. It's what I'll be doing after you finish this podcast tonight because I needed to get some input from both of y'all on what to do with this game. So like Raheem, I like to be the contrarian. So I don't know where I'm at still on this, but here's the potential contrarian view that I can picture. In game five, we had to have an all-time great Kevin Durant game. We had to have a complete box meltdown in every way possible. We had to have Jeff Green's greatest game of his career, basically. And by the way, the most Jeff Green possible to have the best game of his life in a game no one will remember he even played in. All of that had to happen at home, at Brooklyn, to win by a bucket. Like Milwaukee, Milwaukee missed a ton of shots again, like they keep doing. For all of that to happen, like it feels like Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. He's the best player in the world. He took what's his yet again, and this is it. This is what happened. But couldn't you see a week from now where we look back and this was Brooklyn's last stand? Kevin Durant gave everything. He played all 48. He had the game of his life. 
James Harden gutted out his 46 minutes, even though he couldn't really do a whole lot, and he never really had much more to give after that. Kyrie wasn't ready to come back. The Nets got the game of their life from KD and Jeff Green and barely won a home game. The Bucs come out game six against an exhausted Nets team. And I don't want to take the Bucs to win just like by three or five or something. If I am taking the Bucs tomorrow, today when you listen, if I'm taking them, I'm thinking about taking an alternate line and actually giving some points back. I don't want the Bucs to win a close game. If I'm taking them, it's because the Nets are exhausted and the Bucs just come out and Bryn Forbes hits some threes and Pat Connaughton hits some threes and they just like run off the court and the Nets somewhere in the third or early fourth quarter are like, yeah, okay, the, no, this, this is not happening for us. Kevin needs to rest. James needs to rest. Let's listen to Reggie Miller and pull our guys and push all the chips in for game seven. And that to me, that's the scenario that I am thinking about for Milwaukee game six is the Bucks have their last stand at home themselves and just have more energy, the crowd energy, and the Nets kind of call off the dogs and try again on game seven. What do you guys think about that as at least a short-term angle for, for how tomorrow the game six could play out? I'll say this. We, we've talked all year on this podcast about the narrative, right? And it's getting wrecked by injuries. <laughs> the podcast is getting its ass kicked by injuries this season. Um, the analysis, the statistical information, watching the film, doing the breakdowns. All of this says you should put the bucks. Giannis, for all of his foibles, I, like I've, I'm doing a piece for this tomorrow. I'm as you're writing the game guide, I'm writing this thing on Giannis. He got another bad whistle. He got tripped on help defense and they called a charge. Uh, he got hit cleanly on a hook shot, no call, but he has managed. He started adjusting when Jeff green switched onto him. He started taking him in the post, which is where you can beat Jeff green with Blake. They've already, they're playing. He's playing him off the floor. That's why they had to go to Jeff green was because he started to absolutely dominate Blake Griffin, which is what we talked about the other day on the pod, right? Was is Blake Griffin really this defensive stopper? no, Giannis figured him out. There's all these basketball reasons to take the Bucks, But, like, they just bone it, guys. Like, they just absolutely faceplant every time that they're in this spot. So, 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 given that the Philadelphia 76ers, who we'll get to in a second, are now down 3-2 to the Atlanta Hawks. I got this for you. Nets plus 185 are on the money line for game six. The Bucks right now to win the conference is plus 350. I think I'm going to bet it both ways. Interesting. I do not see, like, I'm not saying the Sixers are absolutely going to lose to the Hawks, but it's certainly like they're, it's not a good situation for them. They're going to Atlanta for game six. They haven't been able to put this team away the problem and then i like the bucks matchup versus the sixers even if that doesn't happen so either i don't i don't like leaving yourself open to lose both bets yeah like, i just think that's that's win game seven at home 
Well, they have already cashed on Nets winning tomorrow. Well, no, then they lose tomorrow. Yeah, they lose, lose that like one, just, and then they win. You just put yourself in a bad out. spot. Either like, there's too many ways for you to lose both bets. Both bets. And that's why, to me, I think the play is to take the Bucks to win the series because they're pretty big favorites tomorrow. What are they going to be? Like, Game Seven is likely going to be a pick 'em. They like, and what was it in Game Five? They were laying two and a half. So it's just you put yourself in a position to where you can reevaluate after game six or you can even set yourself up for an arbitrage opportunity. Well, let's look at this. Uh, series price. Bucks are plus 195. So yeah. you got 195 versus plus 180. 185. Yeah, my number is put. I, I did series prices before everything was back up after the games tonight. I have the box about plus 150 from where I have them. So again, like you're saying, the numbers here, the math here, the stuff that we're seeing here still says that the Bucks are the value. But boy, does it not feel good putting that money in on the Bucks right now. It does not. It does not at all. Milwaukee has scored 108 points or less all five games of the series. I'm so mad you got me on the under. I'm so mad you got me on the team total under that. I wrote this whole thing yeah. about how like the Bucks like were creating great looks and like they should generate like their their qualified shot quality in the series is so much higher than their actual. It's driving me nuts, Brandon. Like that should have coasted over. You, you know what we had we had this conversation before. I think when we were talking about the New York Knicks, yeah. do you bet the regression or do you you kind of just um, bet bet it as if it stays pace for where it is? Yeah. And I don't I just don't know if you can bet on regression in these small sample sizes. Like yesterday, like I said it, I, I said it. Like the Bucks wouldn't be able to keep up offensively. Like KD, I mean, what, they had a 96 offensive rating for this series. KD and role players have been able to match that, and that's why I felt like the the Nets were totally live yesterday. I honestly, I'm so mad that James Harden played yesterday because I had a pretty big bet on the Nets. But if Harden didn't play, my bet size would have been double that. So what? Be the coach for the day. Kyrie Irving, Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni, they're extending the staff even further. And now we're all on, we're all on the staff. And we're going to do a, a novel thing and actually coach the Nets tomorrow, actually make some decisions for them. James Harden comes out. <coughs> James Harden looks like he did in game five for the first, say, six minutes of game six. So interpret that however you thought that he looked. And you actually have the power to make a decision here. What do you do with James Harden? Do you just play ride him. him out and this is your team? You play him. Because yeah, you have to play him. Because the Bucks had to stay the Bucks had to stay home. Everyone was like, "Why aren't you daring Harden to shoot?" I'm like, "Are you listening to yourself? You want to dare James Harden to make shots? Are you out of your mind? I don't care if his leg is amputated. I do not care if he has been had his midsection cut off and he is in a robotic device like in Base Wars on Nintendo. I do not care." I don't care if he is inside of an Iron Maiden. You do not leave James Harden open on the perimeter. That is absolute nonsense. So the Bucks are going to have, like, they have to respect him. And as long as they have to maintain that, that respect his threat, that makes it easier on the, on the weak side for Joe Harris. It gives KD more space. A lot of this is, if you look at the, one of the differential, the differentials in the series, look at the space that KD's got to operate in ISO versus the space that, that Giannis has. They're helping, they're they're hedging, they're showing, they're stunting. 
versus the Bucks have to stay home because they have so many shooters to worry about. And if you do not play James Harden, like the Bucks will get way more aggressive on the edges there. You have to play him. Yeah, I, I, that makes sense to me. One, uh, as, as you mentioned, Joe Harris, I'm looking at a big Joe Harris game for game six. I'm looking for yeah. for his props on the threes mm. over and points over. On the road, really? Well, here's the reason. Because Giannis has basically been, quote unquote, covering Joe Harris, right? So that he can like help off and, and do do his thing in the lane. And like we just had this whole thing how Giannis literally said the words, Kevin Durant is the best player in the world. And we talked about why didn't Giannis, the, the defensive player of the year, why didn't he guard Durant? And like the Bucks are vanilla. They're going to make that switch. Giannis is going to try to guard Durant. We've seen it happen before. I don't think that this is the right matchup for him, but they're going to try it anyways. And I think like, yeah, why, why does Joe Harris suck? Why does he keep missing all the shots the last few games? Maybe because he has an alien with like 10 feet long limbs guarding him. So, so I'm just thinking, it, yeah, the road home thing is what it has looked like. But I wonder if getting Giannis out of his headspace for a while will open up a few shots for him. Yeah, I want to. I'm I, I'm not with you on that. We'll we'll see where it goes. Mm. But I'm I'm not with you on that just because of the road the home road splits. I think that's a big key here. Um, I mean, he was he was one for seven at home yesterday. I think at some point he's got to start making shots. So I I understand it. I mean, he's shooting twenty percent from three over the last three games. So I, I think, tired though. I mean, they're making him work. I mean, I'll say this though: the Bucks need to attack him a lot more on defense. They need. Yeah. They need to, like this is this is honestly the most frustrating thing about the box is that they don't attack mismatches. They just and honestly, a lot of this I'll put on Giannis. Giannis's decision making has been poor. Like I don't mind the moves he's made. I mind the people he's made them against. Like the Bucks are telling you we're going to switch everything. Okay, mm-hmm. let's run a pick and roll and get and get Joe Harris on you, and let's put Joe Harris in space. You know, like so. I don't know. I, I think that there's a lot of things that they can do there. Let's go to the other games. Raheem Palmer, you are pretty fond of letting people know that you're from the city of Philadelphia. You love to tell people it's on the bingo card, the Raheem Palmer bingo card. You've already hit one of your marks tonight by referencing an obscure mid 2000s or mid 2010s playoff series. (laughs) As a citizen of the city of brotherly love, what are your feelings on the series and on the events that transpired in game five? As the Philadelphia 76ers lose at home after up 26 to the Atlanta Hawks. You know, it's, it, it was starting to get to that point where you're not really paying attention. And then at some point, I think at the end of the third quarter, I saw that they went to the hack of Ben and the Sixers were up 20. And Doc pulls out Ben and the, the Hawks score in the last couple of possessions of the third quarter. And they're going into the fourth quarter and Doc has the all bench unit in and Lou Williams is just destroying Dwight Howard and he switches. And I'm like, this is really, really trouble. And Lou gets going. And before you know it, this 20 point lead is down to 10. It's down to five. And it just, it just felt like the Sixers centers were just, they just kept getting caught in coverage where, you know, they're dropping and Trey Young and Lou Williams are just getting whatever they want. You know, like I, I said it on my Twitter, it feels like the Hawks have an offensive rating of like 180. And lo and behold, you know, they were 16 to 22 from the field in the fourth quarter. They had an offensive rating of 173 in that fourth quarter. I, I just, 
it was one of the most disgusting displays I've ever seen. I mean, offensively, the Sixers just couldn't get anything going. You know, they're forcing it to Embiid. I've read a stat, like, no one but Embiid and and Seth Curry scored for the entire second half. Like, it just – I just – I'm disgusted. I don't know what to say. Just to clarify that stat, I think it's that they're the only two that hit a field goal in the second hit half. Field goals. Yes, there were other guys that got. That's free. what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, ben, ben had to shoot a few free throws, you know. Yeah. yeah Shay yeah, Milton yeah, got two free throws for, for on Corkmoss. How about Tobias Harris in the second half? O of four, zero points, minus 21, one rebound, one assist. Oof. Like that. So I'll say that, you know, I've been kind of taking that on, on faith because Toby's been good all year. Like he's been great for this yeah. team all year. Yeah. But there was that part of me that was always like, man, they really rely a lot on Tobias Harris. Like, this Sixers, and this is part of the thing with, with Ben that I think is kind of frustrating that this season they've moved away from Simmons. Like, you can watch it and just tell, like, they don't involve Simmons the way that they used to. Like, the offense is more Embiid centric. The offense rotates a little bit more through Seth Curry and Tobias Harris. Like, Doc's come in and rotated this team a lot more towards those guys. And if Ben's not creating, that's his best skill. And he's looked like a guy that's had his confidence shaken. So I'm not surprised that this has wound up this way. Like, yeah, the you got to make your free throws. That's on him. You got to make your free throws, man. Yeah. Got to make your free throws. But at the same time, I'll tell you, I, I feel like tonight was the game that decided that Ben Simmons gets traded in the offseason. Wow. No matter what. I feel like this is it. Because... The Philadelphia 76ers could not viably have Ben Simmons on the floor in a game five home game versus the Atlanta Hawks. Like that is a problem. Like that is a massive problem. And look, I think, I think they can get good value. I think there's opportunities for them elsewhere. They want to get Dame. I think CJ is is a problem, maybe a better idea. Um, Maybe about James Harden. They should trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Have you ever thought about that one? I mean, (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to. I would have driven Ben Simmons to the airport. <laughs> so, I, Ben Simmons. I, they said on Inside after the game, Ben Simmons missed ten free throws tonight. He's the first guard in NBA playoff history to miss ten free throws in a game. I do want to note, by the way, just regarding that whole thing. I do just want to slide this one. There is a feeling amongst league people and more than one that I've talked to that what happened was Tillman Fertitta kept interjecting into those trade negotiations and kept being like, okay, and we want this. And we, because he did not want to lose a deal to Daryl Morey. That was so like, I, the idea that like they could have just, if they wanted to, they could have traded Ben Simmons for James Harden. I don't believe is accurate based off of what I've, what I've heard. Mm. I could be right. I mean, how do you, how do you approach this series going forward? I mean, the Sixers are obviously the better team, but they just choked away two straight games. I, I just, like, what do you do in, in, in game six? Yo, the Hawks are minus 160 at BetMGM to win the series. The Hawks are minus 160 to go to the conference finals. And I think it's right. Like, I, I, that, I, I told you, I did the pricing on the series for myself, and I came up with basically exact lines that BetMGM posted for these teams. I think it's right because here, here's the other side of it. Yeah, when Embiid looks good and the Sixers are front running and everything's going right, they're clearly by far the better team. To the point that, like, I think Matt, you and I both like half checked out of this game. Yeah, like, I, I did. was like, yeah. I was like, oh, sweet chance to get a little work done, get some notes ready for the podcast. All right, I'll just keep this on in the background. And I was like adding notes. Now, see, this is why I don't trust the Sixers because they're getting extra mileage on Joel now. 
They're going to have to play him a few extra fourth quarter minutes now because the Hawks are hanging around just enough. And then with like five minutes left, I was like, eh, you know, maybe I'll turn the volume up a little bit and pay a little bit more attention again here. And I'll have to go back and watch the second half again tomorrow because I missed a lot of the fun along the way. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I was making dinner after they got up by however many. And I was like, all right, like it was like 24. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I was making dinner and then, you know, I'm doing other stuff and I'm talking to my wife and all of a sudden I look over and I'm like, oh, hey, it's eight. Wow. Good for the Hawks for getting back into this game. They just, right? and, and there was that part of me that was like, the Sixers just can't shake this team. Mm-hmm. Like they just, they just can't put them away. Um, here's the other thing I'll say. If you can't beat this Hawks team. Yeah. Yeah. You're not getting out of the East. Right. Mm-hmm. Nope. No, sir. But like, you can think whatever you want. Chris Middleton will tear that drop coverage up just as much as Trey Young has. Drew Holiday will tear that drop coverage up just the same. And Giannis uh, is a whole lot better of a wing than some of the guys. Here's, here, like, here's a good example of the problem that the Sixers have. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second half tonight. In the second half, Daniil Gallinari plays 13 minutes, 34 seconds, including in the fourth quarter, uh, he plays 10 minutes and 53 seconds. Okay. Now Gallo goes two of two. He hits like that fadeaway post up. That was like a dagger, right? He scores five points in the fourth quarter is a plus 20. Lou Williams did most of of the work with 23 in that, in that fourth. Right. But here's the thing. Gallo has been shredded in every playoff game. He's played this postseason. Even the Knicks were tearing him to pieces and you don't have anyone that can get Daniel Gallinari involved in pick and roll and attack him. You can't, you can't play Danilo Gallinari off the floor. They ran you with Lou Williams and Gallo. Yeah. I don't know how you come back from that. I'll just say that. I don't know how you come back from that. I mean, to me, it was just so frustrating because it was so obvious what Lou Williams was doing every single time down the floor. And Dwight Howard was just caught in drop coverage. And he's just, you know, how Lou Williams goes to his left yeah. and he hits that jumper. And he did it, you know, four or five possessions in a row. And I'm just like, yo, this is really, really, really trouble and you know i'm frustrated because i had the atlanta hawks team total under 108 and a half i also had some 109 and um some 111 that i grabbed live but i actually gave it out on the action network so i know a lot of people are pissed at me but it's just like the hawks literally had to had to shoot 78 percent in the the fourth quarter in order to hit that and it's just there was no adjustment on defense. Like there's one thing for the offense to struggle. You can't allow this Hawks team to do that on the road. Like I just, I'm sorry. I'm angry. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what the big, you know what the big absence here was, was Danny green. Yeah. No kidding. I know because if you go back and you actually look at the, if you, if you break it down, there's a great site called popcornmachine.net that you can actually look at the, the runs that each team goes on. Great site. The Sixers absolutely cratered when Tybal came in, they ran Embiid, Curry, Simmons, Toby, and then they had Tybal in for Corkmaz. And that's when everything fell apart. Like they tried like mixing up some other stuff. They had Shake, Shake Milton in there for Simmons and like went back to, went back to Simmons, but like Tybal played the majority. And that was a, just a big part of it. Like they tried to balance the defense and the offense. You needed one more shot creator out there. You're going to have to get buckets to stem the tide. Like you need the buckets to stem the momentum. Yeah. Um, I know Raheem, you're thinking the same thing I am, which is about that better. That was like made waves on social media. 
the bet yeah. MGM better than bet the Hawks to win the conference. Like, I mean, I can't, I mean, look, everybody's getting hurt. Everybody's heads are, everybody's heads are falling off. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I can't rule it out. Um, I don't, I I don't say, know how the Hawks win the next round though. I mean, no, I who knows either. the way that guys are going down, who right. knows? And Hawks are a quality team. Like, they're, they're not just going to roll over whoever they're playing if they get to the next round. Like, they're going to put up a fight. We know that by now, but they're going to be severely outmanned. But, man, this was this was a bad, bad loss. Yeah. Like, the problem, the problem, if you want to take the Sixers to win even just the series, we know right now, we know that the Sixers look great and win when Joel Embiid plays great. That's the thing. That's the thing we've seen all series. But there's no margin for error left. You need four great Joel Embiid halves. That's how the Sixers win the series. If you get three, if they lose one half, if Joel Embiid has one more bad half, you're out and the Sixers are done. And we know like he looked great today. The knee looked fine today, but you never know how that's going to show up any given day. And all you got to do is have one bad half from Embiid. They can look invincible again for another game and a half and you get one bad half if you're done. Mm. I'm looking this up right now uh, on Killer Sports. Game six, where you've lost the last two and you're a road favorite. Those teams are two and one. It was the Mavericks versus the Trailblazers in 2002. Mm-hmm. The Knicks beat the Celtics in 2012. And the Bulls beat the Bucks in 2014. Well, we're really re- reaching back in time if we're taking Knicks wins in the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure that this is, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is like, that those are, yeah, those are all first round series. Wow. Wow. Woo. Wow. Woo. So the Sixers are in some uncomfortable territory here and I got to figure out a way out of it. Um, I don't know. Like, I'll, I'll just ask you, Brandon, like, do you want to bet the Hawks now? Uh. No, I, I think that the series price is about right. So I don't see a ton of value on either side of it. I think if I was going to play it, I haven't looked at it yet, but I think that my play, did, you said Philadelphia is favored at Atlanta in game six. Is yeah. that line out already? Yeah, they're two point favorites. Two point so favorites. I think to me, that's the play. I think if Atlanta wins, I think game six is the far more likely spot to win. You know, they've shown they can go back to Philly and win. But I think if I want to play the Hawks, I'm probably not going to play the series line. I'm probably going to play the game six money line and just go for it there. So I I might look at that one. Uh, I think the series line is about right, though. And so I don't know that there's a ton of value on it. Do you trust? uh, Here's a question. Do you guys trust the Sixers team in the game seven where they got to make shots? Mm -hmm. They've lost two at home to the Hawks. I don't do it. Do we trust the Hawks in game seven? Do I, I mean, I, I, I want to trust teams that have more shot makers do which team has more shot makers. Yeah. Well, that's an easy one. I mean, yeah, the Hawks, I mean, the Hawks obviously have it, but like, I like Bogdanovich is a guy I'm looking at in game seven being like, he's, he's the guy that I would trust there. Yeah, Bogdanovich who yeah. literally watched the entire comeback tonight. They didn't even need him and still made the comeback and won anyways. Yep. To, to me, the takeaway from tonight, we'll get, we'll get to the other series in a second. To me, I don't know that I feel like tonight cratered the Sixers or Jazz chances of moving on in the series. I do think that tonight was devastating to the Sixers and the Jazz chances of winning a title this year. I think that 
be, be like Raheem, you talk all the time about what it does to, to get to a game seven and get out of it and move on. And that's what both these teams are facing now is back-to-back elimination games. They have to win, which is always a tough, tough task to do. And then they have to come in off of a game seven and still have two more series to go. So I don't think that it's, it's over because everything changes every second in the NBA right now. But I think that the, the loss for both of the, the one seeds tonight absolutely cratered their title chances. All right, let's go to Jazz Clippers. All right. Kawhi Leonard this morning, news comes out, not going to play. Then news comes out from Shams Franny of the Athletic that it's an ACL, quote, injury. Doesn't say tear. Mm. Says it's an injury. Um, all I've been able to hear is just from people around the league that they're just like, it doesn't sound good. That's all that they'll talk about. Now, the post-game comments, I think, are pretty notable. This is Paul George about five minutes ago. It was a tough blow, but at the end of the day, it's a positive he can get some rest. He's got a new baby boy here. Lots of love for him and his family. Our season is alive because of his shouldering, all the work that he's done, so we got to hold it together. That does wow. not sound like a man that thinks that Kawhi Leonard is going to be returning anytime uh, in these playoffs. See you in game wow. six, buddy. We'll see you there. <laughs> wow. Um, now, Reggie Jackson said, we got to hold it down until Kawhi comes back. So, you know, the question – So. Honestly, part of my think, thought process is like, well, Kawhi may have just texted Paul George and told him. Like, that's yeah, that, that's yeah. thing that happened. Um, well, maybe Paul George is friends with Uncle Dennis. There's, <laughs> there's no. Everyone was confused by the Trania tweet because there's no follow up. It says just as injury, right? If it's an ACL, the only things it can be are I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of a strained ACL. Mm. Um. So a sprain is a small tear. A torn is a big tear. If it's a big tear, it's over. I can't, I'm, like, this is the other thing. We talked about this in our Slack. There's no way that he plays on a slightly torn ACL. Yeah. Like, that's just not, that's not happening. He's, there's no way. The, the odds of it suffering a, a, another injury, whether in another part of his body or, or exacerbating that one, are too high. Yeah, he, he's, he's done. And so, of all people, too. Like, it's not like Kawhi plays through these things. Like, and I don't mean that as a shot at him either. Like, he was great on that Toronto round. He played through a lot. But, like, Kawhi doesn't play through. Like, he takes his taking care of his body seriously. I mean, he's had a degenerative Kawhi issue. And I think that's been the, the biggest issue since 2017 that's held him out of all these games. And, you know, he's putting stress on his, his legs and it's causing other issues. So, I don't expect to see Kawhi again this this year, even if the Clippers find a way to make it to the NBA Finals. I didn't cash out of all of my Clippers futures. I cashed out of most of my Clippers futures. Took a loss. I on mean, those. mines are in. They're in. And I, I mean, if I lost, I lost. To me, I just I look at it like this: if, if I got the best of it, I feel good about it, and I felt like I'm I made a sound decision, and I, I can live with that. See, I, that's why I admire about you, man. Is like you're the type of better that's like, no, I, like, I made the right decision. I got the money in. I'll live with the consequences. Versus, I'm like, well, <laughs> what can I get out of this still? What, what can I? <laughs> what? What? Can, and here's the thing: is like, if Clippers going to win the title, I'm going to feel like an idiot, you know. But no. and that's why I didn't. I didn't withdraw all of them. So, mm. I mean, look, I, I don't. 
the, here's what I can't figure out is on the last episode, we talked about this. If it's Suns Clippers, I like the Clippers. If it's Suns Jazz, I like the Suns. I don't know how to do the equation if it's Suns Clippers without Kawhi. And with CP3 being in health and safety protocols. Well, let's, we'll get there in a second. All right. Mm. Tonight, no Kawhi. Road game, game five. Mm. Clippers walk in there and play off P. Paul George steps up, takes over 37 points, drops the hammer. Reggie Jackson cooks the defensive player of the year. Terrence Mann yams all over the defensive player of the year. And the Clippers walk out with a game five victory with a chance to close it out in game six back at Staples. Impressive victory. Raheem, what do we think about that? Like, where do we go from here? I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. When I watched that first half and the Jazz had made every single three, I mean they were 17 to 30 from three, shooting 56% and were up five. It was like really, really concerning. And I think the thing when I looked at this game, I felt like without Kawhi Leonard, the small ball lineup that the Clippers played. I didn't think it was going to be as effective. I thought Rudy Gobert was going to be able to, you know, make his mark on this game in a series. And Terrence Mann st- stepped in and it, he provided the energy. And, you know, this this small ball lineup was just as dangerous without Kawhi as it was with him. So I just, I don't know what to make of it. So I think a couple of things. One, um, I'm really mad. So I, I watched the first half and then I go to put my daughter to bed. Mm-hmm. And I read her story and we do puppets. Yes, I did puppets. That's right. I'm not ashamed of it. I do a great mm-hmm. koala voice. Uh, and I'm in the dark waiting for halftime and she's, she's nodding off. And I see I got Clippers plus eight after that shooting performance. So I grabbed Clippers plus eight. Didn't put it in the app. And I forgot to do it wow. later. I, I, but here's the worst part. I grabbed Jazz money line, <laughs> money line later. And I made sure to put that one in the app. <laughs> so, oh my God. Like, I, and I did that one for less. Like, I put a lot more on Clippers plus eight. I went heavy on Clippers plus eight and a half. Um, Here's the crazy thing. I actually put in Clippers money line because they were up six points in the third quarter, and they were still getting, like, plus 130, 140. Oh, I'm wow. like, you know what? I'm going all in. Nice. Because I just – I have to take it. <laughs> so, Look, uh, if we're talking about things we didn't get in the app, one of us here just hit an 11 to one parlay and yeah. forgot to log it into the app earlier. So gotta, gotta log it. hopefully people the, read the article. At least you did the article. Though. You get <laughs> yeah. All right. And your props are killing it so much. Your, your, your profile still looks great, buddy. Um, <laughs> thanks for really Reggie Jackson assist, by the way. Um, so look, we knew that the switch was going to cause the jazz problems. Mm-hmm. The jazz fans are going to say that it's Mike Conley. And I think that's fair. Like Mitchell's not a hundred percent and Mike Conley is not great either. Um, at the same, and Mike Conley being out is obviously a problem. Like I'm, I'm with them. I understand that, but I, I'm also just like, they don't have Kawhi Leonard. Like yeah. the, the Clippers did not have Kawhi Leonard and you still lost at home. They can't, I, you, you make them, if you switch everything and you space them out, I just don't know if the jazz have it. Yeah, I wasn't surprised at that regression. It was interesting at half. You know, I bet the, the Clippers because I was like, it's plus eight. And the Jazz shot so well. And they're only at five. But, like, 
I was worried that I was just like, is this going to be one that we always talk about this? How do you bet the regression? You know, like the jazz could have just shot the lights out tonight. Just could have come out and hit a bunch of shots and I knocked him down. The jazz are going to hang in the series because they can hit so many damn threes. But every you know what the, the so interesting many. thing is they weren't stopping the Clippers either. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like, that's the key thing. And then Derek favors has just been like, I have no idea why he's still getting minutes. Like I'm um, Seth Park. Now, you know, he, um, he tweeted out like yeah. the jazz have a 143 defensive rating with favors still on the floor. So, so it's just here. Here's my counter on that though. I gotta, I gotta mention this. Okay. Okay. I'm not saying favors is good because he's not right. But that's 63 minutes versus 172 for Gobert. All right. The Clippers are playing small ball. They're, they're giving you size. They are giving you, they're saying, Hey, if you can be us inside, there's nothing we can do about it. We got We're playing small versus you. The jazz offensive rating with Rudy Gobert on the floor in the series is 111.5 which is beneath their 114 for the series. They're getting absolutely mauled defensively when Favors is on the court. But I always talk about this. You're going to lose those minutes. Like you're probably, you're either your bench is going to win you minutes or your starters are going to win you minutes. And with the jazz, you need your starters to win your minutes. Like you can't win this series. If you're like, Oh, we have to win the margins with Rudy Gobert or with Derek favors. No, like you got to win. Like you have two all stars and the defensive player of the year that every analytics wonk in the world tells me is the best player on this jazz team. And one of the most impactful offensive players in the league and all of this stuff, which I, I buy the numbers, but the overestimation of Rudy Gobert is a problem because yeah. versus a small team, there mm-hmm. is nothing he can do to influence that team. He got those offensive rebounds tonight, and the Clippers were like, oh, well, that's too bad. Let's go down and hit another three. Yeah. He's no threat. He got the ball twice. Couldn't do anything with it. Nothing. Nothing. You know the, tr- you know the troubling thing that I've realized, like, watching it tonight without Kawhi Leonard, is that the, the Jazz might have six playable guys. Yeah. And, and it's just like, Rudy Gobert. You, <laughs> you, you say six? I'm not sure Royce O'Neal makes that cut. Come on. No, nah, I, I, I got it. He, he, he makes the cut. <laughs> but it's just like, I mean, when you have six playable guys and your all-star, all-defensive center is getting kind of played off the floor, it's you're really in a rough not, position. I mean, I'll say this. He's not getting played off the floor, right? Because, like, they're able to <laughs> – they can keep him on the court. They just can't win with him. <laughs> they can't win with either way. They don't, ha- they don't have another option. They don't have a small ball five. Like they need to go to a small ball five and they can't, they don't have an option. Well, they, they, they refuse to do it. I mean, we literally, the, the jazz traded Tony Bradley this year, their third center that they always wanted to have just in case. And then they spent their first round pick on Udoka Azubuki, who, by the way, you never heard of cause he's not playing right now because he's another giant center. Like this is what they're committed to yeah. They're They don't, they don't do small ball. They don't have that. Like the, the system yeah. is play Gobert or Favors or Azubuki or whoever at center. That's it. That's what we play. So series line, Jazz plus 150, Clippers minus 185. Okay. So 
I, I've been the jazz guy on this podcast. On the last podcast or two, I jumped out on the jazz. I'm jumping back in series only. I think that this is great value on the jazz. I put this series at about a coin flip right now because I think that the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard are, I mean, we, we saw the Clippers play many times this year with just Kawhi or just Paul George and, and their other guys. We know that that worked. You know, they, they held up their record just fine. We know that that's not like a terrible team. Paul George, if he plays like he did tonight, we know that that team can hold up. But we've talked about, okay, the Jazz can't stop anyone. They can't stop the Clippers. Well, why is it that the Jazz can't stop the Clippers, but the Jazz got hot in the first half? Like, why are we giving credit to the Clippers offense and then discrediting the Jazz offense when it's a lot of the same shooting regression? Like, at one point, about halfway through the second quarter, the Jazz were 15 of 22 on threes, 68%, which is absurd and clearly unsustainable. But the Clippers were 62% at the time, which is equally unsustainable and equally why the Clippers were still right there in the game that whole time. What happened after that is the Jazz finished 5 of 32 from then forward at 16%. And even then, the Jazz looked like they were about to win a couple of times before the Clippers, like Reggie Jackson, made a couple of huge plays down the stretch and Paul George made a couple of huge plays but there were multiple times in that quarter when it looked like the, the Jazz were going to come back and, and finish the job off. Here's how I see the series playing out from here. Game six, I think, is going to be a great game. They're going back to Staples. They're going to have a home crowd. They're going to be into it. And I think that the Clippers know game six is game seven. The Clippers don't want to go back to Utah. That, that Utah crowd has been a huge and been a factor all series. The Clippers know that with no Kawhi, that game six is when they have to do it. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think Utah can pull off the win. If they do, we go back to Utah, and I think we see one of those game sevens that we forget about where it's like kind of close for a while. It stays around till half, and then the home team that's the deeper team that has more energy that's lifted by the crowd goes on one of those big third-quarter runs, and then the Jazz win by like 25 in game seven, and the Clippers just ran out of gas without their their superstar player. I think that's the series that we're playing out from here, and I think the Jazz are a really good price at, at where we're getting them right now. Brain? I, I just I, – I struggle with that just because they're so dependent on Donovan. Like, it's really six guys. Like – the Clippers are actually well, the deeper let, team. Let, let's let, let's I, I I'm a, I'm gonna argue with you that on this. Yeah, okay. it's Donovan. It's Rudy. Yeah, Bogdanovich. It's Ingles. Who else do you feel good about? I mean, I don't feel good about Clarkson. Royce O'Neal is getting cooked on both ends. I'm, I'm giving him credit for Clarkson and Royce O'Neal. Like, because I, I mean, I definitely don't want to play Nang and Oni. Like, those guys, when they step on the court, it's just yeah. the Clippers are feasting. So I'm giving them credit. Look, isn't maybe the move just. Is the move just like wait till game six if Conley's announced in Hammer the Jazz? Isn't that well, That's it? the thing. I think Conley is going to play. Don't you think so? Like, this, this is the season. And I feel like the move has been 
that they kind of keep waiting. Like how many games mm-hmm. in a row have you woken up on a jazz game day thinking that there was a decent chance Conley might play that day and the news came out and you're like, oh, actually, no. Mm-hmm. No? Zero. See, I, I've, I've I mean, I think like the thing is if you, if you want to approach it from that angle, you need to just bet the jazz now because yeah. this line isn't going down under any circumstances based on their desperation factor. And if Conley gets announced then, the line's probably going to move a half a point or so. And if Kawhi gets announced like torn ACL, definitely out, the line's going to move away from from the Jazz too. I don't think so. I think it's I think it's priced in now. Yeah, I don't I don't know that it is though because at BetMGM right now, right now live, Kawhi Leonard is the sixth favorite to be the Finals MVP. Yeah, but so, there's no cost to the book to have that. Yeah, they're That's basically fair. they're basically free rolling people. Yeah, there's no there's no liability there. But if they think that he's definitely not playing, wouldn't they want to boost the line a little more and try to entice more money to come in on that? It's not even a great line for him right now. Honestly, I, I just don't even know if they've removed it. Like, I mean, I just don't. I think you're, yeah, reading, I think you're, I think you're, you're too giving him too much credit. Like, yeah. sometimes these books are completely sleep at the will. Like, there's been times at BetMGM where the game has started, but they haven't taken down the series price. Not that we don't appreciate BetMGM, the official odds <laughs> provider of the Action Network, Raheem. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so, no, I, I just don't think that's that's a, a, a thing. And so I, I don't think the line moves. I think it's priced in. I don't think they expect them to play. I think I want to, like, look, if Conley's in, I can be talked into it. I don't think you should be betting the Jazz assuming that Conley's going to play because here's the problem is like he knows if he goes too early, it's just going to pop again. Like this is a hamstring. This is what happens. We saw it with Harden. I don't even like to approach it by betting if Conley is going to play because he could almost be a negative. Right. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell. Here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, plus they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. Do, do we, do you guys think, let's say that whether Conley plays or not, the Jazz go on the road and pull out a game six win. I think we can all agree that that's at least an entirely plausible thing. Now we're going back to Utah for game seven. What percentage chance are you giving the Clippers? Of, let's say Conley's out, Kawhi is out. 
So just the teams we had from tonight, game seven in Utah, what chance are you giving the Clippers to get the win? Say that again. Run that by me one more time. Same lineups from tonight. Conley is out. Kawhi is out. The Jazz win and forced to game seven. What chance are you giving the Clippers to go on the road at Utah with the current team and win the game seven? 70%. You're asking me if I, if I want to take Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum has played great, a deeper roster, or if I want to take Donovan Mitchell with a very bad wheel who is very clearly injured, or if I want to trust Bo- <laughs> if I want to trust Boyan Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles with Rudy Gobert who can't score on his own. What matchup do they have? Like, they're creating a lot of points off of pre- keeping Mitchell down. Like, this has been the model for the Clippers in this series. They're basically putting two on ball constantly. It's the same thing the Nuggets did. Like, if you actually want to get into this series, this is the the Clippers have copied what the Nuggets did to the Utah last year. They put two on ball, and with Mitchell already hobbled, they're wearing him down. You saw those fourth quarter attempts tonight; they were garbage, right? It gets harder to execute versus a blitz as, as the game goes on. You keep throwing two at him and keep throwing two at him, and you're switching everything else, and you're not worried about Gobert because he can't score on his own. So you're going to give up some threes for sure, but that variance is going to wind up. It's going to hurt you. It's also going to have things happen like the second half tonight. And if you're the Clippers, you feel good because you can get whatever you want. The big That's the big thing here is you can get whatever you want. The Jazz can get one mechanism out of their complicated offense, their trigger mechanisms. They get one thing. The Clippers can pick and choose. And in a game seven, I'll take Paul George and Reggie Jackson and those guys. I'll take those guys. If you think the Clippers are 70% to win on the road, then you have got to be like – Quit selling your Clippers futures. Like I think that that's crazy. <laughs> I would, I would put the Jazz. I would say the Jazz seventy-five, eighty percent to win at home in Game Seven. This is about so Utah. We're exact who do you trust in that's in that game? It's a Game Seven, I, man. It's all about like who's going to hit shots. I like, that's what it comes all. down to. I trust. I trust them. They're the good team. I trust Mitchell. I trust Bojan to hit shots. I, I trust the Jazz. I trust them to be the good home team that we've seen. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. we, we can disagree on it. Did but Brandon if, wake up and like just like he was in a coma the last three years of Jazz playoff runs? If you think that the Clippers would be seventy percent, no, I'll, I'll, I'll walk that. Seven, I'll walk that back. I'll give them. I'll walk that back. Fifty-five percent. I'll walk okay. that. Back. If it really is seventy percent, you have to hammer this. The Clippers. No, you're right. You're right. It's 50, look. It's a game seven. It's a coin flip anyway. I give the the Clippers a little bit of an edge. They're not scared of that arena. They just walked in there and they beat them twice. They're they probably they, they probably should have won game one, but they just ran out of gas. Yeah, but the Clippers are probably should have won. Like, that's like in their franchise nickname. That's <laughs> what the Clippers do. In the Clippers I mean, franchise history? Do you I mean, remember 1998? Yeah, they made the Jazz made the finals. They were in the finals. The Clippers watch the finals. It's on their television. They can go watch the Lakers play the finals. How, at their can, you have, how can you have faith in this Jazz team after what you saw tonight? How can you have faith in them? I, I have faith in how many times have we seen the team whose star player goes down show up and get the gritty win, one win, the one win they get when the team, like, you, you preach this all the time. The, no, but the, you're mentioning this. Give me the examples because I'm blanking. I really am. I genuinely am blanking. But I, I, I'm blanking on specific examples right <laughs> now. But, like, think of, think of the times when the star goes down and the team that was favored playing the star lets down their guard a little bit because they're like, all right, we got this now. Kawhi's out. We're coasting. And think of how the supporting cast shows up for the guy that's missing. Not in the playoffs. 
You know what? I think that I think this is a different situation just because even without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers have such a massive advantage at the wings. They have yeah. like four wings and 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 Paul George, Marcus Morris, Nicholas Nick Batum, Batum. And, and Terrence Mann that if you could put them on any other team, it's just like, like look, those are like, the hardest. I actually want to do this right now. Let's let's go through and rank the players in the series because Mitchell's not 100%. He's been the best player in the series the whole way, but as the series has gone on, he's gotten worse. So we can agree Paul George is the best player in the series right now, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. All right, so Mitchell's two. Then Reggie Jackson. Yeah. No. He's been yeah, dead serious. That's who he's, he's been. He's been the second best player in the series. That's who he's been. Yeah. Who's four? Who's four, Brandon? Listen, I'm taking. Have you been agree. watching the same series we've been watching? I agree with the top two, and then I'm going to take like three or four Jazz players, and then I'll start looking at Clippers again. That's, okay, that's what give I me, think. Give me, give me the Jazz. Give me the Jazz that you would take. The, all the Jazz. Like all the, all the good players on the Jazz. I'll, I'll take Gobert. Well, let me ask you something. Is Marcus Morris playing on – if he's on the Jazz, is he playing over, over several of these guys? Over Royce O'Neal, maybe. But I don't know. I might – I would rather – You'd rather I'd have rather, him or Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles. Why? Because he's better. And he's not going to like shoot 15 times because he feels like playing ISO ball for a while. He's not going to poison the locker room. Sure. No, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. That's uh, Joe Ingles, who is a team worst minus nine tonight, by the way. Um, <laughs> so that's seventh, seventh man of the year, Joe Ingles. Seventh man of the year, Joe Ingles. No, <laughs> oh, I mean, man. and look, the Ingles go, but in, in reality, the Ingles go bear pick and roll is like really reliable. Seth Parton now talks about this all the time. Like it's a really reliable mechanism. Mm. My only problem is just like the Jazz would take, would take Morris. They would take like they would take Reggie Jackson right now. They would take Terrence Mann right now. They would take a bunch of the Clippers. They need those guys. And if you asked like the Clippers would would take I think probably like Bogdanovich. Do they need Ingles? I don't really think so. They don't need him. It's not that they don't. It's not that he's not better, Brandon. It's that they don't need him. I do think Ingles would provide some playmaking for the Clippers that they sure. don't necessarily have. Sure, he's a really good player. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not. He's hyper efficient. Yeah. I, I'm more trying to point out I, like. This is all about the matchup and so, who yeah. got stuff where. You're right about the matchup. And and I just said it myself. Like, go, when we thought Kawhi was still playing, I just said in the very last podcast we did that I was done with the Jazz, that the Clippers had figured this out and were getting better each game. Yeah. The problem is we took 38 minutes from Kawhi off the table, and now we're giving them to Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, and Patrick Beverly. And that's a, like that they solved the math problem tonight. They made it work. But 38 minutes of the best player in the playoffs – and now we're giving those 38 to man and Kennard and Beverly. And I don't I know it, how, how are the, how are the rankings going on the players, man, Kennard and Beverly at the bottom of them. Oh, I would put man up there. I'd rather have Terrence man than Royce O'Neal. hundred percent. 100%. I'll take Terrence man over Jordan Clarkson, but I'll take most people over Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson is their sixth best player. What are we doing? Like, that's the whole point, man. Like, like Terrence, this is the thing. Like, listen to you. Really gotta start looking at because it, it just it seems like the Jazz have all these guys. Brandon, the problem is like they all do the same things, and it's all built on the system. Because this is part of it. This has been a big part of the series. So I I looked at this. Um, I'm gonna look at the final numbers on this. Twenty. Yeah, who hit more three pointers tonight, Brandon? The Clippers ended up with more and shot a better percentage too. Or, or at least shot a better percentage. Maybe the Jazz had more because of volume. I yeah, the Jazz, Jazz made hit, more. The Jazz hit four more threes, Brandon. But the Jazz finished, I think, at 37%. No, 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 no. The percentage doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the math game if it doesn't – if you don't 
wind up outpacing. Like it's more important to get more three pointers because the added point on all those, like that's the whole concept of EFG, but this For is sure. the issue, but this has been the issue with this whole series. So I did this a whole thing for today, Brandon, I was talking about historically what happens when a team gets outshot from three point range, right? When the other team makes more three pointers, it's basically like 70% win rate when you hit more threes, but not in this series. It hasn't gone that way. The jazz are hitting more threes, which is all their offense is built to do. All those guys that you like on this list, they're all built to do that and they're losing anyway. So here's my question. The Jazz, I mentioned this before, the Jazz finished the game from the middle of the second quarter till the end. They shot five of 32, 16% on threes. I think we agree if they hit even one more of those, then the entire game plays out differently down the stretch because of that swing. So any number of all those shots and the, the game was close down near the end. Let's say that rewind an hour or two, the Jazz pulled it off. They got the win. How are you feeling about the series? Are you like, it doesn't matter. The Clippers are way better. They're the better team. They're going to win the last two games. I'm still all in the Clippers. I just feel like we are drawing these broad sweeping conclusions on because the Clippers won a coin flip game by hitting the shots in the last few minutes. And like we're, we're zoomed in so far right now because what we saw tonight and what we've seen so far in the series is two teams that are very evenly matched. The series is darn near tied, but one of the teams just lost the the playoff MVP right now. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing two teams that they lost Kevin Durant. Fine, they they <laughs> they lost a playoff MVP. Yeah. No, you're right. We're see no, exactly I hear you. Exactly was in a couple of games. I'll tell you what. You're compelling enough to where I'm not going to bet the Clippers. I'm That's not going to. I like Clippers. saving you some money. I'm not going to bet the Clippers. I just think that. You're falling for the trap that everyone falls into, the quants always fall into, where they trust the Utah system, even though it doesn't replicate itself in the playoffs. They're also like, here's a, here's like mm. part of it. They're just, they're so susceptible to variance. Anytime you shoot that much, it's a Rockets problem, right? <laughs> What's funny yeah. is that as this game was playing out and the Jazz were hitting all the, their million shots in the first like 18 minutes of the game, I literally wrote, where, where let me see in my notes here, literally in my notes, the Jazz are like, what if the Houston Rocket, what if the Harden Rockets played defense too? And then the Jazz went out and missed 700 threes in a row. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like the Rockets too. Well, I let's also be clear. Good. They don't play defense either. That's not a thing. Yeah. They're getting killed. But because, I mean, even like, I have a, a big Jazz supporter in my life. And even he was like, because he's defending Rudy Gobert to me. And he's like, look at their wing defenders. They're so bad. And he's right. Like, I fought that. I fought that narrative. He's right. They can't. Mm-hmm. Donovan's with a bad wheel. They're targeting him. Royce can't do anything. Bogdanovich is useless. Ingles is fine. But, like, they're not a good defensive team. In the playoffs, they're not. So, we're, they're the Rockets. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To, to, to transition us at least a little bit, yeah. we have the one mm. team that we have yet to talk about today is the team that I think was today's big winner. Somehow... They woke up this morning to news that Chris Paul was in the COVID protocols and ended the day, I think, as the big winners of the day. The Phoenix Suns, I think, might be the title favorites right now with the way that today's results played out. So Western Conference, they are the new favorites at BetMGM minus 135 to win the Western Conference. So so the Suns right now, at the very least, they, they, here are the scenarios. 
either the Clippers win this in game six, and now the Suns for a third straight series get to play a team missing a super duper star player. That's one scenario. Or it goes to game seven, and now they get to play the Jazz off of seven game series with both of their best guards playing through injuries. Or it goes Mm. to game seven and they get the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. Like that, all three scenarios are real good. And the game seven scenario solves the Chris Paul COVID protocol issue, at least helps with it, gives a couple extra days. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the finals, if they get there, there is a much lower chance now than there was a few hours ago that the Sixers are there. I don't know about you, but I'd definitely rather play the Hawks than the Sixers if I got to the finals. And the Bucs are really good and quite healthy. Maybe the healthiest team left right now. They're down three games to two. I feel like the Suns should be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, so here's the latest on CB3 is basically what I've heard is um, there's an assumption that the one test that was tested positive was Paul. Um, that hasn't been confirmed. He's in health and safety protocols. It has not been confirmed that he's tested positive. Uh, Jalen Rose did report, not report. Jalen Rose said on ESPN <laughs> that he got the vaccine, that he was vaccinated. Um, I have no reason to believe that he wasn't vaccinated. I don't have a record of like them holding a team vaccination event or whatever. Like there was no social media post I could find. But my assumption is that is that Paul was vaxxed, which is helpful for both symptoms management and transmission and everything else. Um, they're going to reevaluate him on Saturday. That's going to be pretty telling. If this series does go seven, which I do think it's pretty likely, like Brandon's talked me into the fact that you just can't count on the Clippers to take care of business at home. Um, like that would be idea. That, the problem is like, I don't think now is the time that you bet the Suns because of what you talked about. There's still a very good chance. The Suns are probably, are the Suns, here's a genuine question, Raheem. I don't know. Are the Suns favorites versus the Clippers without Kawhi? Yes, they have home court. Okay. All right. And rest. So what we hope for is we hope the Jazz, that Brandon's Utah Jazz win the next two games, they make the conference finals, and then we hammer Suns in the conference finals. That's what we do. Because then they'll have to be dogs. They only moved to favorites tonight because the Clippers, the Jazz are expected to lose because they're down three two. So you know, but there's so many other variables because we don't know if Chris Paul is playing game one. Like, there's so many things that can shift this. That, <sighs> yeah. I mean, look, the biggest thing here is like one, you, you hope Chris is okay first off, but mm-hmm. like, of course, you know, if we'll have to, we'll probably hear tomorrow if he's if he's symptomatic. We'll probably hear tomorrow about like what the situation is. Um, but I would say like, even though they were the big winners today, I, would you guys agree with me now is not the time to bet them? I disagree because I think, I think when you, when you see a value, you got too much, you got too much instability here, Brandon, like what if, the, what if Chris the, is symptomatic? I, I don't know how to rationalize in the year of COVID pandemic, just right. shrugging off the COVID pandemic thing. I, I don't know how to explain that away. I can't explain that away, but I think that that at least some is being factored into the probabilities right now. And that, that at least some is inflating the odds that the Suns are plus 400 right now to win the title, which is the second favorite that's at bed. I think they're plus three, they're plus 350 right now. Okay. Well, they were plus 400 about two hours ago. So other people are also betting the Suns, and the number has dropped in the last couple of hours. 
Uh, I, I would put the Suns and the Nets about even odds around like 25-ish percent, which would put them at plus 300. So I, I won't be betting the Nets right now because they are lower than that. But I think that there's still some value on the Suns. If it's dropped to 350, then maybe I'm not rushing to bet it. Maybe I wait a little bit because at 350 versus 400, some of the value is not there anymore. Yeah, I want to wait till I know what's going on with CP3, and I want to wait for the Jazz. And if, they, if I can get the Jazz, I can bet the Jazz. I, I just think this late in the this, this season, you can find value just betting the series itself. And then, yeah. like, I mean, what would you make the Suns against the, the Nets or the Bucks? I would have them probably something like plus 140, 150, somewhere in there. Like, I think that they would be a slight underdog. They're going to be big They're going to be big dogs to, to the Nets. Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to be bigger than that against the Nets. I would say like maybe like plus 200 to plus 225. I think they'd be bigger than that against the Nets if the Nets are the Nets. I just don't trust that they're going to be again this year. I think we're giving a little too much credit for like, oh, they'll just get through this Buck series and get everyone back healthy again. I mean, Kyrie, I had, a bad, Kyrie had a bad ankle and Harden's playing. Yeah, but Harden looked like trash. Sure, but is he going to get worse? Is he going to get better? Probably, yeah. He's going to get better. How, how does playing on no hamstring get better when you keep playing on no hamstring? No, he's not playing. I mean, I think he's conserving himself so he doesn't pop it again. But I also don't think um, – I think it's likely that, like, just over time he will get healthier. Like, that's more likely to happen. I think it's possible. I just think it's also possible that he hurts the hamstring again. Yeah. And it's possible that Kyrie that's doesn't possible. play again. I think it's possible – knock on wood, please don't let it be possible – that Kevin Durant, who is straining and giving everything right now as the only guy left, could get hurt. It's Kevin yeah. Durant. We know his history. For there, sure. there are a lot of possibilities. I, mean, I don't I want today, them to happen. I today want them is, to be healthy. Today is absolutely proof that chaos is a ladder and we're all on the rungs. So, <laughs> And that's, right. that's why that's why you shouldn't be playing these futures so liberally. Lir- Oh, now, right now, now you want now you want a victory lap about futures? No, no, I'm not. I, that was that was yeah, that was no, to Brandon right. who wants to, who wants to play the Suns futures right, right now. Right. Here, here's That's what, what I'm saying. Say. Uh, it, I I saw this too. I, I had to look and see. I'm not sure if this is updated. If I, if I was going to play a Suns future, I know that we look at the Suns like look who who's the best player in the Suns. We're still gonna we're not gonna have the answer. We're still gonna debate it. Is it Chris Paul? Is it Devin Booker? Who's the best player? It doesn't matter. If it's the finals and the Suns actually win, who's going to win finals MVP? Chris it's Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Unless Booker puts up like 40 points a game, Chris Paul, as Chris Paul, coming off COVID, Chris Paul yeah. is going to win finals MVP. Yeah. And that's plus yeah. 1,100. Yeah. And plus 1,100 for the Suns to win the title. That's odds worth betting. I'll tell you this. I think you're, I, 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 I'm with you. Like we've liked the Suns all year on this pod. Yeah. yeah. I think you're a little, I think you're getting a little too far, the, far ahead of the cart on the finals. That's all I'll say It's like, I don't like, I don't like their matchups versus any of them. I don't either. Unless I don't either, the but that's why you're getting the odds. Like plus level. I, I just think you're at only this point, percent of the time at this point, you can roll it over and at least give yourself an out. Yeah. As, as opposed to like pot committing yourself. Yeah. Well, all right. you know, we have to get Raheem out of here at 3am uh, <laughs> on East coast time. So thanks for joining us, everybody. I don't sleep. <laughs> um, if this podcast is outdated by the time that you listen to it, because the we're, rest we're of the sorry. NBA imploded, we're very sorry. 
but we've we tried to get immediate reaction to this stuff to get you to the we, we hope that soon. some coaches still have jobs tomorrow yeah. by the time you listen to this fingers crossed on some coaches to still have jobs tomorrow uh make sure to download the action network <laughs> app our thanks to bet mgm the official odds provider of the action network make sure to follow both raheem and brandon in the app you'll get the absolute best props from brandon you'll get great totals and sides and live bets raheem is so sharp uh i wish i was as sharp as he is check that out in the action network we've got i've got a piece coming up on Giannis on and combo you can check that out on the action network and actionnetwork.com thanks for listening we'll catch you guys at the end next week with another edition of the action network podcast we're finished talking <laughs>